Hey guys, what's going on? It's another edition of the Weekly Knoll Instant Reaction Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Clint Island, lead writer at the Daily Knoll. Mike will not be joining me tonight, it'll just be myself uh, reviewing this game. And the game we're going to be talking about tonight is obviously the Louisville victory. FSU pulls off a stunning, and I mean stunning, 28-24 win over the Cardinals in Louisville. There's... You know, I, I kind of I'm trying to approach this podcast because for 99% of that game, everyone thought FSU was going to lose. Maybe not the very beginning because it was seven to seven for a while, but for about three quarters there, in terms of time, Florida State just looked dead in the water, and there was a lot of outrage on Twitter. Some justifiable, some not. And uh, really, I mean, even fans and non-fans alike just observed a very lackluster FSU team and a very lackluster performance. So if you felt like this win was out of nowhere, then you're completely right because it was. FSU still comes away with a very, very large victory, 28-24. to And I don't mean that in terms of margin, but in terms of season predictions, right? Because FSU now has three wins. You're halfway to bowl eligibility. You're above 500, and now you have a win heading into the really tough ACC play of your schedule. This originally was going to be one of those tough ACC games, but obviously that turned out not to be true. But uh, I'm just going to approach this, you know, segment by segment. I'm going to start with a few things, then offense, defense, special teams, and uh, we'll I'll talk about all that. Now, I do have to apologize for any blips or weird noises. We're, I'm recording this right after the game, and I'm in a room with the TV on trying to watch Mississippi State pull it out over Florida. You know, just stuff like that. And uh, there's not going to be a lot of good here. <laughs> there's going to be good because they win, but there's a lot of criticism to be taken from this game. So with that being said, I'm going to get this out of the way because I don't want to be talking about it for the rest of the podcast. The officiating for this game was god-awful. And I really think that's being nice to them. If you watch that game, if you listen to it on the radio or you kind of you know had a stream or whatever, I think it was not as apparent how awful that was, but I can it would take about three hands to count how many things that the ACC officials missed. I'm thinking about... Uh, you know, there's an offsides where Louisville, where the Louisville lineman touches an FSU lineman. Everly snaps the ball in time for the offsides, and they don't call it. And so FSU just throws it downfield, and Francois did miss a touchdown. But still, it's an awful situation because FSU thinks, oh, we're going to have this offsides, we're going to have a free play, and then they don't get it. Uh, then there's stuff like George Campbell being wrapped by a full two arms, you know, just totally being blatantly held. And then, no call. And then there's just random stuff, like, you know, missed holds. Uh, I think there was a couple missed false starts. I don't know how you miss a false start, but somehow they did. Somehow Louisville got away with a couple of false starts. And I'm not saying that the refs were totally in favor of Louisville, but there were a lot of calls in this game, which just went against FSU. And I don't think it was any conspiracy. It was just the fact of the matter. FSU had a very hard time going against these officials. And no, it's not the biggest problem. FSU has a lot of things they can fix themselves, but the officials here, they it was one of the worst games I've seen in the past few years. And that's really saying something. 
And the FSU should probably be pretty proud that they came out with a victory when the officials missed that many calls and made the wrong calls on some of them. Oh, a missed intentional grounding. That was the other thing they missed, which was just infuriating. I couldn't get it. But that's out the way. We're not going to be talking about that the whole podcast because that's just a brain drain and no good discussion comes from that. Uh, we're going to start with the offense. 28 to 24. 21 of those points come in the second half. FSU has a more or less putrid first half. Lander Dickerson was back for this game. A lot of people really, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that, that would lead to some better things in the run game. Well, I got bad news for you guys. It's five guys on the line. One guy coming back really doesn't make that much of a difference. Did it help a little in pass protection? Yes. But in the run game, uh, FSU just, they continue to struggle. And we kind of thought, you know, maybe they could get something going a little bit more because they did a little bit more against NIU, and NIU even have a even had a tougher run defense. But it never occurred because for whatever reason, even if you have a fully healthy offensive line, which you don't, this this line just can't get pushed. They can't get separation on that line script. Not separation, but they can't move their defenders. And this is actually the first game that we saw Cole Minshew and Landon Dickerson on the field at the same time, and it really didn't have that much of an effect. They weren't actually opening holes that Akers or Patrick could run through. It just wasn't working. And I think that's what really took away from this game. And I'm not saying that this is all Tigers' fault. I'm not saying that, you know, this is something uh, which is going to down him. But the FSU offense today looked very, very disappointing. Mainly because everyone saw the adjustments against Northern Illinois, right? We all saw using Trey McKitty as a blocker, uh, quick passing decisions, a more two-back sets, all that. And... For whatever reason, it's like Tagger just went away from it. I don't know why, and I don't know if it was if he thought that Dickerson would uh, provoke more of a run game. But for whatever reason, FSU reverted back to the offense against Syracuse and Virginia Tech. That just totally failed them. A lot of people are asking, okay, well, is it Taggart? Is it Bell? I'm 99% certain that it's Taggart calling the place right now. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that is the same exact problem that he had at Oregon, right? Because Oregon, for like the first seven games in 2017, just stumbled out the gate without Herbert, at least. With Herbert, they were a very good offense. They ran it pretty well. Without Herbert, you could tell that whatever it was Tiger was trying to do was not working. There's a lot of reasons for that, but the main thing is he wanted to run inside. FSU cannot run inside, and Oregon could not run inside without Herbert either. But for whatever reason, Florida State kept trying to go back to it. For a solid three quarters, they just looked helpless. It was like, it, it, was, it was Virginia Tech all over again. FSU just couldn't get anything going on the inside. And in terms of the Gulf Coast offense, you know, that, that definitely hurts you. But we just saw what happened last week. That was what just really disappoint you about this game because we all saw what happened last week when you focus on quick passing decisions, when you take those downfield shots at Tamori and Terry like you did later in the game, which 
you know, moving on, that's a that's a good place to talk. But in general, the offense today did not look good. And that's been a recurring theme, but it didn't look good for a different reason. So Taggart failing to keep those same adjustments today, it you know, whatever reason it was, whatever he thought, it it just didn't work. Now, towards the end of the fourth quarter, you saw it really did start working. They started to take downfield shots. They started to really get Francois comfortable in the pocket. But by that point, you know, you're down three scores. I mean, why is it taking you this long to get it figured out? And props to the coaches for doing so. But I can tell you right now, Louisville's probably the second worst team on your schedule. That's not going to work against Wake Forest. It's not going to work against Boston College. Even. It's not going to work against Florida. It, it Overall, just a very forgettable day from that side of the ball. I understand that there's a lot of discussion about uh, Francois and if he's the best option at QB. In the second half, he was clearly the right guy. He was making all sorts of just fantastic... I'm sorry, I just watched Mississippi State's receiver drop a surefire touchdown. Wow. Wow. He was... Why do, I'm sorry. I, wow. Okay, well, uh, what was I on? Yeah, yeah, the... Francois. If he has time in the pocket, like he did in that fourth quarter, then you can see what he does. He can totally kill you down the field. When he doesn't have that time or when you're trying to run it too much, he just looks out of his element. And I'll be honest, I did think that Taggart needed to make that switch in the first half, especially if, or in the second half, especially if Francois came out and they had the same game plan. Right now, I think Francois is still your best option. I think you proved that in the second half. But the coaches need to realize that you can't keep going back to the same strategies that failed you in the first place. This offensive line is not going to get magically better. You have to put DeAndre Francois in a, in a position to succeed. Will they do it later on? I don't know. I mean, Louisville's defense, again, they really weren't that good. But for whatever reason, the Seminoles struggled. So I, I don't know. I think this offense, it still has some things to figure out. And uh, it was not encouraging from Taggart today. It, some of the players were encouraging, but Taggart himself, that was very, very disappointing. Moving on to the defense. I think after we watch the tape a second time, this is going to prove to be the worst defensive performance of the year so far. And I think you can tell that right now, but... Uh, you know, going into the year, right, we all said, okay, this defense is going to have issues at first. There's going to be adjustments that need to be made. They're going to be working out the glitches and the wrinkles. But for the first four games, those only came up in little spurts, right? You had a huge pass play here, a huge pa pass play there, etc. In this game, it was a just constant issue. I'm not sure... If it, well, actually, no, I am sure what it was. The safeties in this game were terrible. And I and maybe I'll go back on that when I watch it again. But the safeties for Florida State were getting beat all over the field. Natural Dean's a good run stopper. Could not cover guys. Uh, A.J. Westbrook, he struggled in coverage. He had that huge interception in the fourth quarter, but still, he struggled. Cyrus Fagan, I think they had to take him out because he was just getting beat. It was a very, very poor game from the safeties. 
And in Harlan Barnett's system, that that's killer. I mean, you will give up a lot of points if your safeties do not know what to do in his system, which is why it's weird because this is the, what, fifth game of the season? You would think that we would have seen this in a game prior, but for whatever reason, Louisville was able to just push it downfield with passing. And really, this game should not have been close if Jawan Pass could actually convert. He he struggled. I That was one of the worst quarterback performances just because he missed wide open guys. I mean, Florida State had, I think, three straight plays in the third quarter where their safety didn't know what to do. Their safety, you know, that Louisville would... Uh, or not Louisville, excuse me, but FSU would play kind of a cover two. They'd send the linebackers close to the line, but then nobody would drop because the safeties would go to the hash. And and then I I don't, it was just confusion. It was confusion all around. I think one uh, kind of concerning aspect was Harlan Barnett looked a bit stubborn. We talked about the offensive coaches being stubborn, but Harlan Barnett looked like he was, he just didn't feel comfortable with some of his younger defensive backs. And to be fair, it wasn't unheard of. I mean, Asante Samuel got beat for a touchdown, stuff like that happens. But throughout that game, his safeties were getting beat, or they were miscommunicating, or any other litany of problems. But for whatever reason, he also didn't want to put in more cornerback sets. He didn't want to put in six defensive back formations. I don't think that's a winning strategy, especially when we've seen it against Samford to great success. You know, when we've seen it against teams like that. Northern Illinois, even we saw a little bit more, not as much. But I, I always wondered, why, you know, why was Barnett not going back to those solutions? Maybe he was trying. Maybe it wasn't, you know, a scheme problem at all. Maybe it was just players being out of place. But at some point, you would think that the defensive coordinator would try and head that off. Uh, overall, I, you know, safeties got picked on. They got picked on all game because of it. And then you have decisions like keeping Decalon Brooks in the game on a crucial third down. You have Jaden Woodby trying to cover a receiver. I mean, you know, Jaden Woodby's a fine cover guy, but he can't be there every play. He's not amazing yet. He's a true freshman. So the defense, uh, I'm not sure they're going to play like that, you know, the rest of the time. I'm not sure that they're going to radically improve and whatnot, but Right now they've got they've got they've got questions because that was a very disappointing performance at Louisville. And imagine a quarterback who can actually make them pay because Pass didn't. Pass did not live up to his namesake. The final thing we're gonna get into is the special teams. And yes, uh, that was you know, a lot of people criticized the last staff for the special teams, and rightfully so, the special teams was very bad. Uh, last year and the year prior. Well, we're finding out now that this staff hasn't really improved much at all. In fact, they may have made it worse. I mean, look at Logan Tyler, who, in addition to just being inconsistent, just doesn't have that good of skills. I mean, he just he he can't decide whether he wants to kick a sixty-yarder or shank a thirty-yarder and give Louisville great field position, right? Then you have Amir Razul taking it out. You know, in the second quarter, and he gets stopped at the 16. Again, bad field position. And stuff like uh, the ball bouncing off Anthony Grant's helmet on a punt, and Louisville recovers. And even on the DJ Matthews punt return, when he had a like 30 yard return, you know, one of the best plays of the night. If you look at the replay, those blockers get just 
pushed aside. I mean, Louisville is down the field. It kind of in just like three or four guys are just right by Matthews right as he takes the ball. So the special teams, I look, it's coaching. If there's one area where Taggart needs to make a change after the season, if it doesn't radically improve, it's special teams. Alonzo Hampton is the special teams coordinator. And we talked before the season about this. Me and Mike mentioned it. You know, having a dedicated coach to special teams is kind of a waste. If they're a good recruiter, then it's fine. But overall, it's a bit disappointing just because if you're trying to fill out your staff, special teams is one of those things that you don't need a full-time coordinator for. You don't need a full-time coach for that. And so they have one. They have Alonzo Hampton, who, like I said, good recruiter, but he just looks totally unprepared. He looks like he's not even coaching them. And that's not going to get radically better. If Willie Taggart wants to take this team to the next level and wants this team to stop inflicting these wounds upon themselves, you have to get better in special teams. You can't treat it like it's a side thing because that's what Jimbo Fisher did. That's what his staff did. They treated special teams like it was just an add-on, like it wouldn't totally decide a game for you. And now we're seeing it almost did. The special teams for FSU almost caused them to lose a very winnable game. Some of the good things to take away, uh, like I said, I think that the offense did well when they actually opened up the playbook, when they went back to those adjustments they made. I think that the defensive line looked great. Corey Dern, Marvin Jones, Brian Burns, Shanaris Robinson, they all looked very good up front. That line will probably, I mean, we've said that the defense will keep all games close. That line itself might keep games close just because of how good they are at keeping guys in the pocket and wrapping them up when they have the chance. Other than that, uh, you know, it. this was a very strange game. And I don't think you can take too many good things away from this one. You can take away a win, and that's always great. And that might be a sort of locker room changer, definitely. But you just... There are a lot of issues with this team right now. And Louisville, <clears throat> and Louisville almost showed a step back. It looked like Louisville and this game was a very similar team to what we saw earlier in the year. That's about all I have for tonight, guys. Thank you for tuning in. A word to two of our sponsors, nullfan.org and Southern Solutions, LLC. Been with us a long time. Check them out, guys, if you haven't already. Uh, Since Mike is not here to do the farewell, I'm going to do it myself. Uh, Y'all have a great night, and we'll be back for more coverage uh, throughout the week. So, adios.